This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am where the Word says I am. I am seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. And I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As I'm taught the Word of God, my life will be changed for the better. And I will never, 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 never be the same again. How many of y'all believe that this morning? Amen. Why don't you give three other people a high five this morning before you are seated? <clears throat> We're in a series talking about the miracles of the New Testament. And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 14 this morning, and we're looking for patterns and principles through these miracles. Why would you look for patterns and principles in the miracles? Because when you find those patterns and those principles, then you can apply them to your own life. And we can see how that not only they apply them, but as we apply them, we will receive from God. How many of y'all looking forward to receiving from the Lord? Now, last week, Pastor started out his message encouraging us to meditate on the principle that we found in miracle number 16. Let me read that scripture to you real quick, Matthew 9, 29. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? Everybody say it. Say, according to your faith. faith. We'll say this. Say, according to my faith, will it be done unto me? It's almost a sobering statement, isn't it? When you say it like that, because then you, find, then you start uh, judging and you start thinking about what you've been saying and what you've been believing and what you've been doing, and that's the whole point. And when we begin to see that God is in your life, that he hasn't left you, and what he wants to do in your life, when you begin to see what God wants to do in your life, then you will begin to take action and see miracles. And we're going to see that same principle here in miracle number 20. In Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead of them to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Now, when we hear that term, the fourth night, we don't really know what that means. But the Jewish night is divided into four watches. The fourth or final watch is right before dawn. So the darkest hour. So traditionally here, we're talking about 3 a.m., 3 a.m. In Mark 6, verse 48 says, and he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. So they were having a hard time. Anybody in here ever felt like you in life? You were, the wind was beating against you and you were trying to make progress, but it feels like the, I mean, everything's just coming. Anybody ever felt that way before? 
Verse 26 in Matthew 14, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then, there were, then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. And when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when they, the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him, and, he, and they begged him, to, to, they begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Everybody say, all who touched him were healed. Tell your neighbor, say, all who touched him were healed. So there's a few things we want to pull out from this miracle. Number one, we need to live a life of prayer. Prayer, or excuse me, pray before the emergencies of life happen. How about that? That's a novel concept, isn't it? Everybody say, I need to live a life of prayer. Say, I need to pray before the emergencies of life happen. Look back at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Verse 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. By what? Himself. And when evening came, he was there alone. So we are called to live a life of prayer and pray before the emergencies of life happening. And this is why many times you will find us, and this is why we've been spending a lot of time on Wednesday nights talking about faith and prayer, because prayer and how to pray, because prayer is an important part of the Christian life. And if you haven't downloaded our app yet, you probably should do that, because uh, the app, our app is a, it's a library of messages. I mean, it is a library of messages. Whatever, if, if we don't cover what you're going through this morning, it's on the app. Tell your neighbors, say it's on the app. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I'm sitting here right now. I want you to tell me right now. Well, maybe you got to put a little extra effort into it to get your answer. And, you know, to le- there's, there's message on there. We've been talking, uh, gosh, I don't know, it's been a, a long time we've been on faith and prayer. And then Dr. Austin on the Holy Week revivals, on the noon sessions has been dealing with prayer. So go back and watch those messages. But prayer is vitally important. You need to learn how to pray. Why do I need to learn how to pray? Because when you pray correctly, your attitude is on target. When you pray correctly, your mouth stays on task. When you pray correctly, you receive correction, encouragement, and direction. When you pray correctly, your faith gets stronger and stronger. When you pray correctly, you are challenged to take the right actions to receive what God has in store for you. Tell your other neighbors, say, you need to pray. pray. Well, I'm not gonna tell someone else what to do. Well, how about this? Point to yourself, say, "You you need to pray. Now, we're not talking about, you don't have to spend all day in prayer but you need to build prayer time into your life. When I get out of my prayer time, when I get out of my time confessing the word of God, man, it's, you know, you're you're on track. 
You're, follow, you're, you're ready. You hear instructions. You hear things that God wants you to do. You make yourself available to him. And besides, if Jesus himself prayed, how many of y'all know we probably should pray? Right? So he went off to the mountainside by himself and prayed. So you gotta, you gotta find a quiet place. Now I understand for some of y'all that might be a little more challenged than others. And that might be at a different time of the day than others. I don't have little toddlers at my house. So when I get up in the morning, it's pretty quiet. Teenagers like to sleep. And uh, so it's pretty quiet in my house. But maybe you have a toddler, so you gotta wake up a little bit extra early. Whatever it may be, find time to pray and get your mind right. Number two, how about this? Things are not always as they appear. Now, I'm not talking about your spouse or who you're dating. I'm talking about circumstances in life, amen? Everybody say, say, things are not, things are not. As, always, as always as they appear. You have to learn to trust God in every situation. You have to learn to trust God in every situation. Verse 24, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They were what? They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. So they weren't even quiet about it. What were they doing? Crying out. But they weren't crying out in faith. What were they crying out in? Anybody been around some religious, or, or maybe in your own life, anybody cried out to the Lord, but it wasn't in faith? No one wants to admit anything here this morning, right? <laughs> Cry, people crying out in fear, right? They were crying out in fear, but look at the response of Jesus. Verse 27, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Now, at that time, sailors believed that when they saw a ghost, or they thought they saw a ghost, it was a sign to them that there was an intimate shipwreck or death coming. So they were in fear. They saw the waves, they felt the wind, they saw what they, saw, what they thought was a ghost, and they all concluded in their mind that this is it. Something bad's going to happen. And one of the biggest lies that Satan can do in our lives is to get you to think that God doesn't care, that we're all alone, that we're on this on our own. You know, there is a, there's a type of philosophy, a type of belief called deism, and deism is this belief that yes, God created the heavens, yes, God created the earth, yes, he put all this in motion, but now God is not really involved in the affairs of mankind. So God is there, but he's not really active in people's lives. And to be honest, that's probably where a majority of Americans believe, well, I say that, I don't know what a majority of the Americans believe anymore. But a lot of Americans don't realize it, but they're really actually deists. Because they think God is there, they think there's a heaven, but they don't think God is involved in our lives. Ben Franklin was a deist. Many of, some of our founding fathers were deists. But see, we, don't, we know that's not the case. How many of y'all know that God is alive this morning? Amen. How many of y'all know the praises that you just sang to him, he actually heard them? Amen. Are you hearing me? 
the praises that you just sang, he actually what? He heard you. Some of you are like, ah, what's the big deal? That's a big deal. I said, that's a very big, tell your neighbor, say, that's a very big deal. He actually heard you. He actually heard you. We serve a living God. And one of the biggest lies of Satan is the fact that you're all alone, you know, you're by yourself, there's no hope, and, and Satan will try to use circumstances to get you in fear. Why? Why does Satan want you in fear? So you will make the wrong decision. Because as soon as you start making the wrong decisions, then you get off the plan of God for your life, and when you get off the plan of God for your life, you are on your own. I said you are on your own. So Satan wants to get you to make decisions based in fear instead of decisions based in faith. Say, I'm going to make my decisions based in faith and not in fear. And if you're going to live by faith, you're going to have to cross this bridge. You're going to have to learn this lesson, and you're going to have to cross this bridge. That things are not always as they appear. So you have to learn how to trust God in every situation. You have to learn to have the word come out of your mouth instead of what you see around you. And you got to find these scriptures, and you got to get them into your heart. Here's a scripture for you. I'm going to help you. Tell your neighbor, say, Aaron's going to help you this morning. Here's a scripture, Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28. And we know, and we what? We what? <clears throat> we know that in all things, how many things? Now, it doesn't say God causes all things, but in all things, God works for the what? The good of those who what? How many of y'all love him this morning? Then guess what? God's working for your what? For your good, who've been called according to your purpose, who've been called according to his purpose. So maybe you have to say to yourself, or maybe you need to say to your spouse, we may not see how God is working for our good here, but we know that he is. We may not see it, but we know that he is. So we sang this morning, right? We may not see what he's doing, but we know he's doing. We may not feel what he's doing, but we know he's what? He's doing. He's working. Everybody say, he's working. Come on, say like you mean it. Say, he's working on my behalf. So you never say, he's working on your behalf. See, now that's, that's a different mentality. That's a different attitude. See, you have to learn to fix your eyes on his promises and not what you see around you. 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is what? What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is what? What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is what? Eternal. Then a chapter over, of course, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. We live by faith and not by sight. So we don't walk by these five senses when it comes to faith. Now you've heard us teach on this. You've heard us talk about it. When you're crossing the road, you better use your five senses. You better not walk by faith. But when we're talking about the promises of God, when we're talking about the word of God, you've got to walk by what he says rather than what you see around you. Because if you allow Satan to lie to you, what's going to happen is you're going to get offended at God. And when you get offended at God, you're done. I said, you're done. 
As a matter of fact, let me just stop here for a second, and let me just encourage you, especially those of you who are believers, to not ever let offense have anywhere in your life. In church, in the church world, in the kingdom of God, one of the top things I see that destroys people or that gets them off track from what God has in store for them is offense. Look, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Don't tell your neighbor this, but your neighbor's not perfect. Don't tell your spouse, but your spouse is not perfect. Don't give, don't give me an amen right there either. But your spouse is not perfect. The only time we're gonna see perfection is in heaven. And guess what? We're not there yet. Can I, can I just give you a little more help this morning? I've seen so many people who need to be doing things in the kingdom of God get offended at somebody else, and so they say, well, I'm not gonna do that because so-and-so's over there. You are letting Satan sabotage what God wants to do in your life. As believers, we are supposed to rise above these things and walk in love. I said, as believers, we're supposed to rise above these things and walk in love. How can we ever get anything done when people within the own, uh, the own body are tearing each other down? Well, I don't like so-and-so. Well, great. I don't like everybody's personality either. But does that stop me from coming to church? No. Should it stop you from coming to church? No. And people get offended at God. How could you get offended at God? You know, the book of Proverbs talks about how people cause issues in their own life, and then they turn around and they blame God. Listen, it's not God's fault that this is the first time you've been in church in six months. That's not God's fault. Tell your neighbor, say, that's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. So don't get offended at God, because as soon as you get offended at God, what happens? It's in, it's over, it's done. You cut off the blessing of the Lord in your life. David said this in Psalm 121, verses one and two. This is the King James Version. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from who? The Lord. My help cometh from who? The Lord. the Lord, which made heaven, who made heaven and earth. So if you get offended at God, where are you going to go for help? Where are you, who are you going to turn to? Things are not always as they appear. So learn to trust in God in every situation. And what was Jesus' response to their fear? Matthew 14, verse 27. But Jesus immediately, what? Immediately. He what? Immediately. He immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Say that with me. Say, take courage. Take courage. It, is I. it is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
Now, this is, this is an important part of faith. You have to have courage in order to walk in faith. You cannot get around courage. You know, that word courage defined as to be stout, to be strong, to be bold, to be alert, to establish, to fortify, to harden, to be courageous. How many of y'all want to be courageous here this morning? I said, how many of y'all want to be courageous here this morning? I said, how many of y'all want to be courageous here this morning? Amen. Talking about uh, 50 years of Pastor Learfeld preaching the gospel, I remember my family came back to this church in 1989. You know, I remember the first service I walked in with, and I was sitting there next to my sister, and they were singing a song, because the church I had come from, they weren't singing songs like this. And they were, sing, they were singing a song, Be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with you. Be bold, and everybody in the crowd would go, Be bold, and they'd go, Be strong, and everybody would go, Be strong. And I looked at my sister, and I went, What is this? <laughs> what? This is not church like I'm used to. What? Some of you like that, right? Some of the first time you walked in, you went, what is this, right? Well, let me tell you what it is. It's strength. It's courage. Tell your neighbor, say, it's courage. <laughs> so if you want to know what Pastor Learfield's been preaching all these years, I'll tell you. I mean, since I first hit the doors of this church in 1989, be bold, be strong. For the Lord thy God is, I mean, that's awesome. Amen. Turn to everybody and say, that's awesome. This is what Moses said to the, this is what Moses said to the children of Israel. This is what Moses said to Joshua. To anyone who would listen in those days, be strong and of good courage. Joshua 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Have I not what? Command you, be strong and what? Courageous. Courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you. He will what? He will be with you. Numbers 13, verse 20. How about this? Moses sends the spies out. And here, listen to what he tells the spies. Whether the land is rich or poor, whether they are forced there or not, be of good courage. I love that. No matter what it looks like, do what? Be of good Everybody say, be of good courage. Be of good courage. And bring some of the fruit of the land. Now that time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified, afraid or terrified because of them. Listen, the world can say whatever it wants to say. The world can call me whatever they want to call me. You know, our government is calling me names that I've never thought my government would call me. But you know what? I don't care. Amen. Tell you never say, I don't care. I am not afraid or terrified because of them. Why? He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses, so Moses tells the people, then Moses tells, he, then he pulls Joshua aside. Well, he didn't even pull him aside. He tells it to him in front of everybody. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel, be strong and courageous. Be what? Strong and courageous. 
For you, for you must go with the, this people into the land that he Lord swore to the forefathers to give them, and you must divide it among as their inheritance. Say this out loud. Say, Jesus told his disciples, to be strong and courageous, to not be afraid. And I'm a disciple, so I'm going to be strong and courageous and not afraid. The Lord himself told Joshua this, be strong and of good courage. Deuteronomy 31, verse 23. The Lord gave this command to Joshua, son of Nun, be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land. I promised them on oath, and I, and I myself will be with you. Be strong and courageous. You know what I love about God? God doesn't say, be strong and courageous, and I'm out of here. <laughs> be strong and courageous. Have fun on your own. No. Be, why can't God expect us to be strong and courageous? Because he is with us wherever we go. Shout that out. Shout, God is with me wherever I go. Shout out, God is with me wherever I go. Joshua 1, 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to the forefathers to give them. Tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor, say, Jesus told his disciples to be strong and courageous. And to not be afraid. So I'm going to be strong and courageous. And I'm not going to be afraid. Then the children of Israel, the warriors of the second generation, said to Joshua, I love this, be strong and of good courage. This is why being around the right people matters. This is why being around, having the right corrections matters. Not only is it Joshua saying it to the people, but now the people are saying it back to Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 18. This is the people saying it back to Joshua. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. And this is why you shouldn't get offended and you shouldn't disconnect from the right connections just because someone's personality rubs you the wrong way or just because they didn't say hi to you in the right way or just because they didn't talk to you at a certain function or a certain event because it is powerful when we hear pastor you hear the ministers get up here and say be strong and courageous and then you in response say guess what be strong and courageous and we're telling each other every time we meet together what and then and then when we when we talk to each other outside of church what are we telling each other some are like be strong and courageous <laughs> come on don't let the culture get into you come on now come on now you got you have to say it with some emphasis right then Joshua, in turn, says it back to them, the warriors of the second generation. Joshua chapter 10, verse 25, Joshua said to them, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to the, all the enemies. You are going to fight. Listen, you are going to fight the fight of faith. You and I are here to fight the fight of faith. So this is not like an instruction that Joshua gave to them at once and that was it. No, we see in Joshua chapter 10, he's saying the same thing. 
He's saying the what? He's saying what? I'm telling you, that's the beauty of sticking with the Word of God. That's the beauty of what God's doing here at Faith Christian Center because pastor for over 50 years has this determined in his heart that he's going to say what? The same thing. Why? Because the Word of God doesn't change. Guess what? You might be here, you might be bored of what I'm saying right now. You, you might be, I don't know, you might be on your phone playing a game. I don't know what you're doing, but you might say, no, I've heard this all before. Well, guess what? You need to hear it again. I need to hear it again. And guess what? you come back in six months, guess what we're going to be saying? The same thing. And you come back in a year and a half, guess what you're going to hear us saying? The same thing. Why? Because we're telling each other, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. God is with you everywhere you go. Amen. He's with you everywhere you go. David had a commander, Joab, who repeatedly said to the warriors of Israel under King David, 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 12. This is, this is amazing. We're talking about generations later. Same message. Same message. Be strong. It's 1 2 Samuel verse 10, verse 12. 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 12. Be strong and let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is good in his sight. Sounds like Romans 8, 28, doesn't it? And God will work according to his purpose. He is working for good in your life according to whose purpose? His purpose. How many of y'all say, God, use me? How many of y'all want God to use you? How many of y'all want God to use you as a sign of this world that he's alive, that he's real, that he isn't dead, that he hears the voices of his people, that he answers the prayers of his people? Amen. David, King David said this to his son Solomon. 1 Chronicles 22, verse 13. Then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and laws that the Lord gave Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Do not be afraid or discouraged. I'm telling you. I'm going to add this in my confessions in the mornings. Just as I'm here sitting there preaching to you, I'm going to add this in my confession. I'm strong and courageous in the Lord today. I'm not afraid. I am not discouraged because, Lord God, you go with me. I'm strong and courageous today. Why? I'm not afraid today. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm not going to get down because the Lord my God is with me. You got you to gotta, you speak this. You got you to stand this into your life. You got to stamp it onto your heart. First Chronicles 28, verse 20. David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Oh, there we need to add a, we need to add a phrase. Do the work. Tell him to ever say, do the work. You I say, I'm, I see here I am. I'm improvising, revising it right here on the spot. I'm strong and courageous in the Lord today. I'm not terrified. I'm not afraid. I'm not discouraged. So I'm going to work. Amen. Say, I'm going to work. Tell your neighbor, say, you need to go to work. Now, don't take offense to that if you're not working. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord, the Lord God. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? 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 Why are you not discouraged? Why? For the Lord God, my God, is with you. This is what, this is, this is, this is why. 
I have tried my best, and I have poured my life into my children to teach them this lesson, to not be discouraged, to not be afraid, to be strong and courageous. Look what David says right there. Look what he says. For the Lord God, my God is with you. I have raised my children. I have taught my children that God who has done awesome things in my life wants to do awesome things in your life. God who has shown up again and again and again and again is going to be with you as well. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work of the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. Tell your neighbor, say, he won't fail you. Tell your neighbor, say, he won't forsake you till all is done. The New Testament puts it this way. That God is faithful until it's completed. God is faithful until it's completed. God is faithful. He's not done with you yet. And then King David said it to us in Psalm chapter 27, verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Be of good what? Courage. Be of good what? Courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We start out today talking about how prayer is important. When you're waiting on the Lord, you get strengthened. When you're waiting on the Lord, you get encouraged. When you're waiting on the Lord, he lifts you up and he tells you who you are, who not what the world says you are, not what your relatives say you are, not what the circumstances say you are, but who he says you are. And then in Psalm 31, verse 24, he says, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Be of what? And what's he going to do when you're of good courage? He will strengthen your heart. This is why modern-day American Christianity doesn't work because they want to cry out in, fa in fear. They want to cry out and talk about the problem. They want to cry out and talk about the wind. They want to cry out and talk about the storm. And they, don't, and they get weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And this is why some Christians drink. And this is why some Christians look for anything else except going to church because they're, they're not being of good courage because when you stand up and say God I believe in you I trust you I will live for you he will strengthen you he will strengthen you to believe is to be strong doubt steals energy to believe is to be strong tell your neighbor say to believe is to be strong number three Number three, don't be afraid to attempt big things in life. Don't be afraid to attempt big things in life, for if you do, if, if you do, God will meet you there. Amen. I said, if you do, God will meet you there. Matthew verse 14, Matthew chapter 14, verse 28 and 29, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Now notice here that was it Jesus' idea for Peter to walk on the water? No. Whose idea was it? Peter's idea. 
What did Peter say? Peter said, hey, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out and walk on the water. And what was the reply of Jesus? Come on. That's my version. Come on, man. Let's do this. Come on, man. This is where religion has robbed the people of God. It has robbed the people of God. And let me tell you, this is our attitude here at Faith Christian Center. This, you should know up front, this is our attitude. If God said it, we should be experiencing it. Amen. If God is alive and God is real and his word is true, then by God, we should be experiencing it in our lives. We should have it. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life. That you may what? Have. Not hear about it, not wait for it, not see it on the other side, but have life. That word life is the Greek word zoe, which is the God kind of life. And Peter was learning this. And Peter saw this. And Peter said, is that you, Jesus? Sure is. It is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Have courage. And Peter goes, well, if it's you, I'm coming out. And Jesus said, hey, Jesus didn't say, oh, no, 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 Peter. Mm-mm. You are not the son of God. Mm-mm. This is for me alone. Watch and marvel. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And how many all know, Peter had some issues. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so I never say, Peter wasn't perfect. <laughs> yeah, don't say that to him. I was, I was gonna say, Peter isn't perfect and neither are you, but don't say that to him. <laughs> Peter wasn't perfect, but yet, but yet, he saw Jesus doing it and he knew because he had been around Jesus at that point. I mean, he just, the miracle we talked about last week about feeding the people. I mean, Peter saw him multiply to where there was more than enough. And Peter's like, look, if this thing is real, I'm doing it. I'm getting out of the boat and I'm going to you. I'm getting out of the boat and I'm going to you. Now, this scares a lot of people. You can't say that. You can't say that. You know, you're trying to get God to do something. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to get in my life what he already has done and what he said he would do. Amen. I'm not asking him to do anything that he hasn't already promised. Peter didn't say, can I, if it's you, Jesus, let me fly to you. <laughs> if it's you, Jesus, let me swim to you. No, he said, if it's you, may, can I come out? And Jesus said, come on. Tell your neighbor, say, Jesus is saying, come on. Come on. Anybody got any desires in here? Amen. Guess what Jesus is saying? 
Come on. Anybody believing for some healing here? You know what Jesus is saying? Come on. What's he saying? Come on. Come on. Tell your neighbor, say, Jesus is saying, come on. So I'm out of here. How many of y'all want to get out of the boat? How many of y'all want to get out of the, of the sinking boat? How many of y'all want to get out of that, that, that struggle lifestyle where it just feels like all this is just happening against you and happening against you, and you want to, you want to come on out? Amen? So Peter took action. Peter did what? How did he, now listen to this, how did he take action? Because Jesus just told him to have what? Courage. Jesus told him to what? Have what? Courage. Jesus told him to have courage. See, courage allows you to take steps that you normally wouldn't take. Courage allows you to sow a seed when you don't have enough in the natural. Courage allows you to focus in on the answer instead of the problem. And what was Jesus' response to Peter, taking courage and believing in him? Come. Come on, Peter. I have learned this. I have learned this. I have learned this, and I have heard this. I've heard it from the pulpit. I've heard it behind the scenes. You cannot dishonor God by believing him. You cannot dishonor God by believing him. It honors him when you believe him. It honors him when you say, all right, I'm coming out. All right, you said I could, I'm coming out. This is why Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, surrounded by such a great what? Cloud of witnesses, what are we supposed to do? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Why do we fix our eyes on Jesus? He's the author of our faith. He's the perfecter of our faith. In him our faith matures. In him our faith grows. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down the right hand of the throne of God. So when you dare... When you begin to dare to do big things in life, Jesus will bid you come. In other words, he will encourage you to do big things. He will do what? He will encourage you. Tell your neighbor, say, he will encourage you. Teal Osborne used to say this, my God is big in me. I said, my God is big in me. I said, my God is big in me. Some of you are like, well, you know, I don't really know if that's going to work or not because you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. Get your eyes back on him. Get your eyes focused on him. Get your eyes focused on his word. Get your eyes focused on what he says. Why, why, do, you have, why do you have prayer every week on Fridays and Saturdays here at the church? Because we're keeping our eyes focused on who? On Jesus. Why, why, why should I pray every day? Because you're keeping your eyes focused on who? Jesus. Jesus. Why, why should I read my Bible every day? Because you're keeping your eyes focused on who? Jesus. 
Jesus. Because how many all know that there's the wind out there, there's the waves out there, and then there's Jesus. Which one are you going to follow? Which one are you going to focus in on? Which one are you going to say, that's where I'm headed? Are you headed for the, are you headed for the, the sea because the wind knocks you down? Are you headed for the waves that are coming at you? Or are you headed towards Jesus who's over there saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. I'm right here, it's me, it's me, it's me. Be strong and courageous and do not be afraid. Turn to everyone one more time, say, be strong and courageous and do not be afraid. Tell the neighbor, say, you need to be strong and courageous. Stop being afraid. And listen, there's a lot going on in this world that can make you fearful. That's why you got to get your eyes off the world and get your eyes on Jesus. Because I don't know what they're doing, but what I'm doing is I'm walking towards him. I'm walking towards him. I, like Paul said, I am headed heavenward. I'm forgetting about the things that are behind. I'm straining towards what is ahead. And I'm headed for the prize, which is heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's bow our head and close our eyes because that's not where it starts. He's there. He's there. He's waiting. But you got to take action. You got to respond. He wants to do great things in your life. He wants to do big things in your life. You might be here this morning and you might say, well, you know, Aaron, I feel like God's left me. I don't know where he is. He's standing right there. But you got to go towards him. You got to walk towards him. The first step of walking in faith and walking in this God kind of life is you saying yes to Jesus Christ. Saying yes to what he has done for you. He's already done it. He has already made a way. But what you have to do is you gotta say, okay, yes, Lord, I believe that, and I receive what you've done for me. I'm not talking about being in church. I'm not talking about, you know, there's a lot of people that are raised around churches that are not saved. They have no relationship with God whatsoever. I'm talking about a personal relationship. I'm talking about between you and him. Yeah, but you know, my parents are really good Christians. Great, what about you? Yeah, my friends are really strong Christian. Great, but what about you? I mean, I could sit here and tell you testimony after testimony of what God has done in my life, and that's great, but what about you? Because God does not show favoritism. What he has done for one, he will do for another. But you gotta say yes to him. So with every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning, you say, Aaron, that's me. I have never said yes to Jesus Christ, but I want to do that tonight for my life. If that's you, I want you to simply raise your hand high to where I can see it this morning as a sign that you're serious, that you want this relationship, that you want to get out of the boat, that you want to get out of the struggle, and you want to walk towards him. Anybody here this morning say, Aaron, that's me. Thank you. I see that hand. You may put it down. 
Anybody else say, Aaron, that's me. Aaron, that's me. As a sign to God that you're serious. Man, I want you in my life. I receive what you've already done for me. Anybody else say, Aaron, that's me. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you prayed that prayer at one time in your life. And to be honest, that's where I was as a teenager. I grew up in a Christian home. Parents loved God, took me to church all the time. But part of it was we came to this crazy church. We came to this crazy church and I heard Pastor Learfield speak the word of God. And then I went on a youth retreat and I was convicted because even though I knew God about him, even though I knew his word, I really wasn't fellowshipping with him. I really wasn't walking with him. I was doing my own thing. And I made that commitment on October 27th, 1990 to recommit my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. First John 1, 9 says, if you confess with your sins, Jesus is Lord and believe him. Excuse me, First John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He wants to walk with you. He wants to live with you. He wants to show you the way. He wants to give you the answer you've been searching for. So if you're here this morning saying, Aaron, you know, at one time I, I prayed that prayer to have Jesus come in my life, but I'm not living for him like I know I should. I'm out of fellowship with God. I need to get right with him this morning. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to lift your hand high where I can see this morning. You say, Aaron, that's me. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. You may put it down. Anybody else say, Aaron, that's me. I want to get right with him this morning. Enough playing games. There's no reason for you to act like everything's okay when it can be okay. There's no reason for you to have to put a forced smile on your face when you can have a real smile on your face. Anybody else here this morning say, Aaron, that's me. Lift up your hand high to where I can see it. Let's all do this. Let's all stand to our feet because I want to help those who want this relationship with God. So if you're here this morning, you raised your hand. If you would, grab whatever you brought with you so you're not thinking about it. Step out on the aisle. Come down here to the front. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray. You are in a room full of people that are for you 100%. They are for you 100%. So if you raised your hand, just grab whatever you brought, step out to the aisle, and come on down here to the front. Yeah, but you know, I don't know these people. Man, I don't want to, put, I don't want to be put on the spot. Listen, be of good courage. Be of good courage. Be of good courage. Don't be afraid. God wants to do things in your life. If you're here and you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to be down here with these, these wonderful people, get on down here right now. There's no shame coming down here this morning. The only shame would be to walk out of here not right with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the sake of those that came forward this morning, let's repeat this prayer after me. Everybody here, say this. Say, Father God, I come before you. I give you my life. Come into my life. Transform me. Change me. Do what you want to do in my life. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for being there 
for me. Father, I pray for these people that have come here today. I thank you, Father God, that they may know and sense your presence in their life, that they may see all the great things that you have in store for them, and that, Father God, from this point on, they know that you, they are yours. And Satan, anything you have tried to do in their life, God's going to turn for good in Jesus' name. And Satan, I command you to take your hands off of their lives. They are a part of the kingdom of God. And they stand with Jesus now and say what he says, and that is no more. No more in that mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father God, that they would know and see your great plans that you have in store for them. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God wants to do awesome things in your life. If we could take these screens... And if I could show you everything that God wants to do in your life, some of it would be unbelievable. But see, that's the beauty of living for him. He will take you to places you never thought you could go. He takes you out of the miry pit, and he sets you on the solid rock. And God has got great things in store for you. Amen. We have something we want to give you. Because we know the real battle is not here this morning, but the real battle is when you're on your own. And so we want to give you some tools to be a help for you. And listen, we're here every Wednesday night, every Sunday morning. We got our app, we got our YouTube channel, all kinds of stuff in there. Just dig into the Word of God. Dig into what He says. Start renewing your mind to the way God does things, and you will see God move in your life. Amen. So if you'll go with Jeff, we'll get you right back in the service just a moment. Come on, let's thank you. God bless you. Come on now, come on. Come on, you can do way better than that. Come on now. If you're watching online and that's you and you prayed that prayer, there is an address on the screen that will tell you how to get in touch with us, please let us know. And we will send you that free book as well. And we want to be a blessing to you. Because though you're not here physically in person, it doesn't matter. Because wherever you are, God heard that prayer as well. And you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage you with what Jesus said. Be strong and courageous for he is with you wherever you go.